0: It is really good to see you on a beautiful Sunday morning. These last few days, my goodness, I think summer really did show up, finally. We had all this cold and all this moisture, and and boom, all of a sudden we get to into the 80s and maybe 90s, but enjoy it, breathe it in, and uh, enjoy every minute, because in Colorado we have seasons, you know, if you haven't noticed that, so... Uh, three or four months of of a style of weather and it changes and, and so we're, we're so happy you're here pastor Brent mentioned that we are starting a new series it's kind of a summer series and so it doesn't stack on top each week it doesn't build you know if you don't have this knowledge you can't get this we're just looking at the Psalms different Psalms different topics but it's called rock solid the God of the Psalms. How many of you know God is rock solid? You can build your house on Him. You can build your life on Him. There's something powerful about that, especially in this sandy culture that we are in, that shifting sand. So we really want you to follow along. We have a really cool thing to tell you. And and this is I just want to say a a shout out to to J-Dub who's up there, and Carly and Kayla, our media team. We have been pre-recording our weekend services for those who are watching online. You might not know this, but um, probably as many or more people right now are with us online as are in this room, and that's true in all of our services. And instead of pre-recording this week we for the first time are actually live right now online. So if I look at that camera you know I'm saying hi everybody. (laughs) We're live. So would you say thanks to them for making that happen. It's really a cool thing. And so you'll see a few little cameras around but we won't distract you from from learning and hearing from God. But uh, we do welcome our online group and you guys, we're, we're here, we're meeting, come back when you're comfortable, but it's really a joy to see uh, our culture kind of coming back, people feeling safer. Are you enjoying that? I, uh, I really am. It just feels so good. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, let me, let me, let me dive in. I've, I've called this week's message, Our God Who Fights For Us. Now when you see this image on the screen, what do you think of? Boxing. How many of you really, really don't like boxing? My wife would say, I do not like seeing people hit each other. But it is a sport. How many of you realize it's a sport? I don't want to debate about it. Anyway. um, But when, when you see those gloves, you realize that fighting as a sport is different than fighting in our world. And sometimes we get beat up let me tell you a little story when I was in it used to be called junior high not middle school remember those days not that many years ago actually and it was seventh eighth and ninth grade and then high school was 10 11 and 12 that's changed now middle school and and it's it's different now but when I went into junior high seventh grade it was a big deal because when you get out of grade school and you hear about junior high and you're with ninth graders and I was a very little seventh grader my growth spurt didn't come until about ninth grade as a matter of fact they had football in junior high which I was very excited about but they had flyweight middleweight and heavyweight and you had to weigh 85 pounds to play flyweight and I didn't weigh 85 pounds. I weighed 78 pounds. So my mom had to sign a waiver saying that even though I wasn't large enough (laughs) to play football in the flyweight division, I could play. I'm telling you that because when I first went to school I heard a rumor just after I had started in seventh grade as a very little guy that Kevin wanted to beat me up. Kevin was one of the tough guys in this school. I think he was in 8th or ninth grade. And I don't even know why. I didn't even know who Kevin was, but some girl he liked liked me. And so he was going to beat me up. And I was scared to death to go to school. I didn't know who to talk to about this. But how many of you know I have sisters? I have four of them and I have two that are older and Angie was in ninth grade. And Angie was popular, you know, like the homecoming queen and all that stuff. She was that. And so, and so we had the, the toughest guy in our school was named Bobby, and and no one messed with Bobby, and Bobby liked Angie, my sister. So I told Angie what was going on with Kevin. And Angie said to Bobby, Kevin's picking on my brother. You need to take care of that. So Bobby went to Kevin. And he said, Kevin, you mess with dairy, you mess with meat. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha, Kevin. Ha. No, I'm kidding, I, I didn't do that. I was safe. And I had someone who would protect me. In a sense, Psalms 30 is a testimony from David. He's the author of this psalm, and he's basically proclaiming to the world. I have a God who will fight for me. I have a God who will protect me. There are kings, there are kingdoms who will come against me. And they did with David. He fought for his life many times. He ran for his life many times. But he was proclaiming in Psalm 30 that he has a God. If you mess with David, you mess with with God, and God would fight for him. What a comfort that is. Let me tell you a couple things about this psalm before we dive into this outline. This psalm is a song. I'm gonna sing it later. No, I'm kidding. I don't know the tune, but I wouldn't anyway, just to spare you, okay? But it's a song that David wrote for the dedication of his house, his castle, in um in Jerusalem right now, that in the Middle East where, where this, this home was, it's really kind of a, 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 palace. They're unearthing that. They, they found it in 2011 and it's being unearthed. If you want to Google it and look around, they're, they're digging it out right now. So it's very cool. But this palace is not the temple. I don't want you to get confused. The temple David planned the temple, but his son Solomon built it. David died and Solomon finished that. But this is his palace. And at the completion of the palace, David wrote this song to honor God, and he, he sang it before all the people. And I don't know if he had a choir or someone special who would, who would sing this out, but it was a proclamation psalm for people to give praise to God for the accomplishment of the building of this palace. Everybody still with me? Say yes. Yes. Okay, so let's go. In your notes, you'll see number one. Number one is God intervenes. God intervenes. Now you're going to recognize a few of these verses in the Psalms. Some of you have little writings or framed uh, pictures of these words because a couple of these verses are pretty popular and and pretty famous. But this one simply says this: verse one. I will extol you, Lord. For you, what? Rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. That's how the song starts. I want you to take note of something here. He doesn't start this by saying, look what I built. He doesn't start it by saying, how beautiful are these rooms? Wow. Enjoy. Look where I get to live. He doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't talk about the other builders. He doesn't talk about the, the labor force, the people who work to make this happen, the architects, the designers. Who does he talk about? God. Who do you talk about? There's nothing wrong with being proud of something you built or did, but make sure you understand that it's God who deserves the glory and the credit for the things that have happened in your life. God intervenes. And He intervened in David's life. I want to just say this. I'm amazed at how many people give themselves credit for the good things that happen in their life. But then the minute something bad happens in their life, they blame God. I've seen this among people who don't even believe in God. Until something bad happens to them. And then they really believe in God. (laughs) And they blame God. There's an irony here of me taking credit for the positive things that happen in my life, but blaming God for the negative things that happen in my life. And I'd like to challenge you to really take a look at your attitude, your spirit, your heart, to say, where am I in this? Will I give God credit for when he deserves credit and will I understand, I make some mistakes that put myself in harm's way. God sometimes has nothing to do with the stuff that happens in my life. It's because I made a bad decision and I'm suffering the, con- how many of you know there are consequences to every action in our life? It's not God's fault, it's your fault, it's my fault, it's what I do. And I sometimes don't give God the credit for the good. I, I love the story of the guy who is late to the courthouse, and he couldn't be late. This was huge, and he 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 was rushing and driving downtown to the courthouse, and he had to go in. and He's running behind. He knew it would make the judge so mad if he was late, so he prayed this prayer. Lord, please, I promise you, if you'll give me a parking space right by the front door, I will go to church again. I will pay my tithe. I will love my family more. I will do everything. And, and he gets, he pulls right in front of the courthouse, and as he's pulling right to the front, a car pulls out from the front door and leaves, and he pulls right into the parking space, and he looks up and he says, never mind, God, I found one. So often we like to take the credit and we forget that God is with us every single moment of the way. Find ways to honor God. Find ways to thank Him for intervention in your life. I I remember my mom saying to me, you know, she said a lot of great things to me. but I remember her saying, Dearie, I think people don't have any idea the times that God has intervened in our lives and we know nothing about it. And when we get to heaven we might really be surprised at all the times God has fought for us God has stepped in for us and I believe that's absolutely true in my life I think he's protected me from myself so many times that I have no idea how to even thank him for that so let's realize he intervenes the second one is that God restores not only does he show up and fight for us But he restores our soul when we are weary or maybe even from illness or disease or sickness. And David is acknowledging that. In verse two it says this. "O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. Now that's a great place to start. If you have a need, cry out to God. He wants you to. And you restored my health. Now many commentators give examples of times when David may have been very ill. If you don't know the life of David I don't want to assume you do. David was king of Israel but he followed a guy by the name of Saul. And even after David was anointed as king, King Saul tried to chase him down and kill him for years. David was running from Saul and and hiding in caves. He was drinking water from Brooks and streams and no doubt bacteria and challenges. He he faced a lot of sickness, illness. We don't even know. The Bible doesn't go into all of that. But there are many references like this where we know David was ill. He got sick. He drank something. He ate something that was spoiled. He you know, they did not have refrigeration. (laughs) He couldn't just go to the freezer and pull out a whatever. And so so he's 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 thanking God. That God is restoring His health. And there are many times in which this healing happens in our bodies. I just want to challenge you to recognize God created you. He made you. He knows your body better than the doctor. He knows your body better than you. And He knows what's going on inside. If you have a need, start with prayer. Start with praying. That's why we're a church that believes in praying for people who are sick, anointing them with oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, because God can still heal people. We've had many healings take place in this church in prayer times from, I don't know why everyone isn't healed. That's the dilemma. I don't know. I don't know. But I have to trust God through these times, and I know that He restores. One other thing. This is not just talking about physical healing only. This is talking about restoration from sorrow, from depression, from discouragement. I don't know why sometimes we drift in and out of feeling really good one day and really bad another day, but all of us, we're human beings, we have a tendency in our lives to reflect a little bit and we can get down. You know, one of the things I like about where we're going over these next Um, eight or ten weekends with the Psalms is we're going to talk about depression. We're going to talk about those sorrowful times. We're going to talk about feelings that are real in human beings. And we all have a tendency to either chase after that direction or I'm pretty positive by nature, but I have moments when I get down and I don't know where God went and I wonder if he's really there. And so do you. Some of you might be there right now. But David is saying, God, I know that you are a God who can restore me. How many of you have ever restored something? You know, you, you brought it from no life. I've seen this with cars. I've seen it with furniture. Cooney Schwent was the guy we had in our church. He's in heaven now. But I have, I have some furniture that he restored that... I either bought from him or he gave to me. His whole garage was filled up with tables and stuff. And, and it's the coolest thing. I, we have in our kitchen right now a table that, CUNY, that I bought from him that was old black boards. It was painted oak. And it was a beautiful library table. And he restored that. And I still use it to this day. Otherwise it would have gone to the trash. God takes the old. He takes the broken. And he restores it and he gives it life again. And you need to know that about God. Number three. God encourages. God encourages. I love this about God because he has a way of being able to encourage us either through others or circumstance or just a lift in the spirit. I love what Pastor Brent, part of his prayer today, he said, I don't know if you caught this, he said something like, I'm glad, God, that you love us, but I'm also really glad that you like us. Because, you know, it could be. It could be that God is like, because the Bible says God is love, so God is like looking at us going, oh, I have to love them because I am love. But I don't have to like them. <laughs> I'm glad he likes us. And he wants us to feel and live in courage. Look at verse 3. You brought me up from the grave Oh, Lord, you lifted me out in the Hebrew there. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. We we referred to that earlier. Real death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. For Here's a famous verse. His anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. How many of you know this verse? Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. This verbal phrase, when he starts it and he says, You lifted me up, it's a metaphorical usage of a verb that means to lift up like a ladle reaching in and pulling up something, like a bucket in a well or a river. And you would go and you would lift the water out, and it would change the destination of the water. It no longer is going downstream. Now it's going to be used for something different. That's what David is saying. He's saying, you lifted me up out of the death where I was going, and now my use is going to be different because you lifted me out of that death. God lifts you out. He encourages you by lifting you out of these situations. Spurgeon said this, Grace has uplifted us from the pit of hell, From the ditch of sin, from the bed of sickness, from the bondage of doubts and fears, we have no other song but this song in thanks to God. So true. And he's referring to Psalm 30 when David says this. So give thanks to God. Night and morning. I want to just briefly touch on this. When this passage says sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning, how many of you realize it's not talking necessarily about a 24-hour period? This is a concept that's used in Scripture, especially in the Psalms. Many times when it says it was night, or it was dark, or when the darkness came, when e- there's this idea that I'm sad, there's sorrow. I'm discouraged, it's the night of the soul, but morning will come. It's the hope that says this sorrow, this depression, this discouragement won't last forever. This could be years, this could be two or three years, this could be a long time of night, but joy comes in the morning. It's interesting too that death happened that afternoon with Jesus on the cross. Resurrection happened in the morning. And there's a concept here for us who believe that you have the hope that what you are facing and what you are going through today will not last forever. There is a day when that will shift. That day may be when you go to heaven. But it's more likely that that day will be walking away from that darkness and morning comes into your life And you have this hope that sorrow lasts only for a night, but joy comes in the morning when you walk with the Lord. You have this hope that tomorrow is a better period. Some of you might be in the night right now. We're going to pray for you in just a little bit because this is real and you need to give it to God. You need to trust Him in the darkness of your soul that He is still there. I've been there with many of you. You know, it's interesting when you Pastor, this many years and you see people come to faith and you see them grow up in the Lord and you see people who have walked with God for 50 years you you know some of their stories I, I see some of you who are facing challenges with issues cancers with kids grandkids and it, it blesses me to see you here today those of you online who, who who just need to know there's hope for you with the current situation that you are in number four God brings us, this is my favorite one, joy. Joy. There's a whole lot of stuff written about the difference between happiness and joy. You know, happiness can be, I'm, I'm happy because of something that just happened to me. Joy, you can have the joy of the Lord even in hardship. Joy is connected to peace. They're like cousins. So even if I'm not giddy happy, like, I'm still joyful in the Lord. And I want you to see what David does here with this. It's interesting what he does. Now, he he starts out just from a theological, exegetical viewpoint. I need to tell you this about verse 6. David is being a little sarcastic and a little silly in this part of the song. Verse 6. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. I think he's got a little grin on his face like, that's how I felt at the time. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a what? Okay, so just so you know, in these days, a mountain was not movable. So that's what they used. You'll see this often in the Psalms. It was like as steady as the mountain because it's like... That ain't moving. <laughs> we don't have earth machines that can move mountains. So that's why he said that. It's the biggest thing he could think of that, that doesn't move. Your favor, O Lord, has made me as secure as a mountain. Then, I, then you turned away from me and I was shattered. Why did, why did he say that? Why is that even in this song? He's saying that self-confidence without God is not the appropriate response as I follow God. Yes, his favor is on you, but you need to recognize that if his favor, if you start to take credit for that, if you start to think that nothing bad can happen to you, and arrogance sets in. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about pride. He's talking about arrogance. Well, yeah, I can do this. I've got the favor of God on my life. Watch out. Well, guess what? It's God who puts his favor on you, not you. It's not because you're something special. Favor from God comes from obedience. Don't forget that. It comes from obedience. And if you choose not to be obedient, David had seasons in his life when he was not obedient to God. And he was shattered. And he had to repent. And he understood that this favor should not be taken for granted. That false confidence is a scary place to be. I love verses like Philippians 4.13. This is on refrigerators all over the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you think that's a good verse? It's a great verse. The scary part for me as a pastor is when people don't finish that verse and they, they say it and quote it and live it like it says this. I can do all things. I can do all things. And they sort of subtly forget, through Christ. And those are the two most important words of the statement. I can do all things through Christ. I'm submitted. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm looking up. I'm saying, God, you are God. I am not God. And I recognize that. And I understand that. And if you recognize that and understand that, then he says in verse 8, I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, and then he, he uses this idea that if he dies, if he doesn't make it, he can't really glorify God anymore. So God, you need to let me live so I can glorify your name. What will you gain, God, if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, oh Lord. I love that last line. Help Help. Some of you right now just need to say, Help. Help me, Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. Verse 11. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with what? Joy. Here it is. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God. I will give you thanks forever. That's how it ends. I will give you thanks forever. Let's look at our action plan for this week. Three things I'm asking you to think about and do. I'm working on these two. I've already started because I wrote this outline. (laughs) So so I'm, I'm living this right now, okay? Number one, learn to become more dependent on God we're in a culture that's trying to teach us to become independent but for believers we swim upstream here and we surrender surrender is our weapon we surrender to God and we obey him truly depend on him are you think about that number two acknowledge God's presence now this is one that you can do practically I've done this a couple times already this week Lord, you are here with me right now. Just whisper that under your breath. Lord, you are with me right now. So it's easy to say that when you're in church. You know, we pray before we eat. I don't. I don't know why. I I mean, I think we live thankful all the time. But I think I grew up. How many of you pray before you eat food? You know, I just. It's just something I grew up with. But so suddenly, there's this. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge your presence. You're with us right now. But, but how, about, how about in the middle of a frustrating moment, you just stop and say, Lord, you're with me right now. You bang a hammer on your finger, Oh, Lord, you're with me right now. You, you have pain in a relationship, you're in an argument, and you walk out of the office building and you go, Lord, you are with me right now. How about that? Knowing that his presence and practicing the presence of God daily, moment by moment, not just at church, not just in my prayer time, not just in that special little place that you and God are connected. No, when it's hard, and the kids are screaming, running around the house, you don't know what to do, Lord, you are with me right now. Number three, most important one of all, and that's how David ends the song, live with gratitude. I will give you thanks forever forever this is the key to it all a commentator named Struther cited by Spurgeon quoted by Spurgeon later said this we are never in greater danger than in the sunshine of prosperity to be always indulged by God and never to taste trouble is rather a token of God's neglect than His tender love. You follow that? If I always get what I want, if I always get what I pray for, there's no development of the character and the integrity in my life. Faith is is to march towards something unseen. Faith is believing in what you cannot see in the future and marching toward that. And to live with a gratitude that says, God, I will take nothing for granted in my life. I will trust you always. I've, I've practiced this, I think, a few months ago. I talked about refrigeration in here. It changed the world. And now, every time I open our refrigerator, I honestly, I, I cannot say, probably not every time, but very often I say, Lord, thank you for this refrigerator. We can save food in here. We can keep things. We don't have to go today and find and eat today. We, we can actually plan our meals. Thank you. When's the last time you thanked God for water? I had a guy last night tell me he, th- he thanks God every morning in the shower for hot water. Why is that? It's because he's had a cold shower before, right? And sometimes we don't appreciate until we don't have. And so. Don't let that happen to you. Don't don't have to have something be taken away so you can fully appreciate. Think through what you can appreciate right now and give God thanks for it. Let's pray. Lord, trials and hardship teach me endurance and trust. And I am thankful today that we can gather in your name, in a country that allows us to, in a place that's comfortable to hear your word, to be assembled together as you instruct us to do in scripture, thank you. You don't have to raise your hand to these next few thoughts, but you can if you want to. But at least acknowledge it to God under your breath. Say, Lord, that's me. If you can say this, I'm living in the nighttime, and I need morning to come, and I'm hopeful that morning will come. How many of you right now just want me to pray? We're gonna just pray over you and call it good, but you're in the nighttime, something you're going through, you're in the nighttime. Hold your hand up, to trust God, amen. You can put them right back down. The second thing is, how many of you are in a situation you really need God to fight for you? It's, you, it's, you know it's bigger than you, it's a Goliath-sized challenge. And you you want a God who fights for you, like this psalm is talking about. Lift it up to God right now. God, I need you to fight for me. I can't do this anymore. Lord, we as a church, we pray, we petition. You said, bring your needs, cast your cares. So we bring it to you now. For our brothers, for our sisters in this room who have acknowledged their need, we stand with them. They are not alone. Let them feel. That in the presence of others, we are declaring you are good, we are declaring you are hearing us, and we are declaring, God, that you have a plan that we may not know or see, but you're a God who fights for us. Let us feel the power of a God who has our back. We don't have to be afraid of the bullies in this world. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room or online that needs a personal relationship with you, guys, we believe in that. We as a church believe in that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you haven't really invited him into your life, it will mess up your world in a wonderful way if you make him Lord of your life. Right now, just say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I trust you. I want the, my future to be marked by your presence in my life. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus. Do that now. Just say it. And we'll help you. I promise you. We will help you go on that journey. We give it all to you, Lord, in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 30, a song, a God who fights for you, you can count on it. You can depend on it. He's on your side. He's in your corner. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen.